The Youthscape Podcast. Happy birthday to you. So everybody, welcome to the Youthscape Podcast. My name is Rachel Gardner and looking very embarrassed and nonplussed is my friend Martin Saunders who yesterday turned 41. I know she didn't do a whole special edition podcast this no, year. No, you had that last year. I did, it was lovely. It was good, wasn't it? Did yes. you listen back to it yesterday? I, I listen back to it every day. Do you? Yeah, so just I people saying <laughs> people saying nice things. It's like my motivational routine. And I look in the mirror. It's quite a long one, isn't and it? And I listen to the podcast and I just go, you're a tiger, Martin. <laughs> I think anyone's actually said you're a tiger. Yes. We said you're special for God. Well, he doesn't make mistakes. We said things like that. <laughs> it's nice that there were some nice people on there as well. There were some very nice people on there. Anyway, yes, it is. I'm yes. 41. So how it's starting to creak. My oh, goodness. no. I think it's oh. better. I was very, very clear with Mrs. Saunders this year about how I wanted my birthday to be organised. Mrs. Saunders, you're not supposed to do a lady's age, are you? But she yeah. turned 40 a few weeks ago. I see. And okay, so I, see. I had to um, I had to follow a very clear like set. Did she lay down some She did ground some rules. very clear guidelines about how mm. the birthday was going to happen. And uh, and so I followed almost all of those it's like to the a birthing letter. plan, isn't it? It's a little actually, bit like that. Yeah. She doesn't like surprises. Okay. In every sense. Oh, and so the one thing, the one thing she said to me, Rachel, yeah. do not organise me any surprise gathering with my friends. Do not do that. Oh. I don't want a surprise gathering with any friends. And you know her enough to know that that actually means do not do that. I know her well. Or is it kind let's, of like, like Let's put it like this. I know now. So, oh no! So, so she says one thing. Oh. And she said, the thing is, I don't, I don't like leaving people out. It's the worst oh, thing in the world. Is the sense of like... Oh. Oh no, yeah. this person's going to see a picture on social media yeah. and think, why wasn't I invited to, to okay. Joe's? Fair anyway, I, I heard that. I knew she didn't really mean it. Oh, Martin! So I organised a load, of, load of other things. And then on, on the Friday night of her birthday, I organised, uh, we were going to go out as a whole thing. We were going to go out together and uh, waiting for the babysitter. And then a knock on the door, and it's actually her friends come to whisk oh. her away. She acted pretty well. She did pretty good acting. Did she? She had a great time. Let me just tell that right now. <laughs> if anyone's listening, okay, any of the solicitors Mrs. Saunders, getting involved, it's not that's a joke. Oh. Any, any, you know, anyone yeah. listening, she loved it. She had a great time. Yeah. But she's able to hold two things in tension. Yes. <laughs> yes, she had a great time. But with she her has said. However, to you. she did bring the oh. uh, the whoopass. You must listen afterwards. And she, uh, she was, she was. Let's let's put it in these terms. She was somewhat disappointed that I had was not she? followed her instructions. Was she? It didn't ruin her birthday, and she had a great time. But I. She's a reasonable woman. But so I. Next am, time, husband. Let's. Oh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna learn from that. Yeah, I'm gonna see I'm that sure as a so learning experience. And good on you, Mrs. Saunders, having a good time. Anyway, good anyway, on you, girl. She Party then said. Hard. She then said, "You're gonna be having a very limited 41st <laughs> birthday. Tell me what you want." <laughs> And so, uh, oh, so I, I gave her a very short list of uh, of gifts, and and asked for a very small list of, of treats, and uh, and that's it. That's all that's happened. <laughs> Roll on forty two. Bless you. Well, you got some sandwiches waiting for you out there in a minute, so that could be my little oh, gift thanks. to you. That's kind. Ah, so kind. And with those yeah. beers that I still get to buy. The beers. Where are the beers? Well, last night, I just say. Where I are need the, to get some beers. Where are the beers? Thank Martin for something. But anyway, Rachel, let's start hang on. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Instead of the beers. Yeah. What? Can I throw you a party? Will you? No. Will you write the foreword 
to my <gasps> forthcoming book. Yes. Now, we do need to talk about this, actually. Do I'm we? very excited. Well, we, we have talked in great detail in the past, but I'm very excited about this book. Okay. And I do think that come this summer, we can talk a bit more about it. Yeah, so we I will. think watch out for the podcast in the summer. But I, will you do a bit in it? Yes, I will do a bit. And then you don't need to get oh, me a... Oh, yes! You don't need to get and me And then anything. we're equal, and you haven't got to get me a Zara voucher. So, that is extraordinary. That's happy birthday. And Thanks. older and wiser. And well, actually, that is a nice segue into our conversation for today, because... I have a hunch that what we're about to talk about with our guest probably wouldn't have happened 20, 10 years ago because actually what we're seeing now is more people staying put in youth ministry. Yeah. And it, and, and the evolution of age, which is not exclusive to getting older, but the evolution of age means that sometimes from a vantage point of age, you can see things that have become patterns that you're like, actually, that is not okay. It was not just me that experienced that. It's not just a few youth workers I know experience that. That seems to be a trend, and I want to speak out about it and make some change. Of course, all ages can do that, but sometimes it takes being in something for a long time to see what needs to change. That's right, and uh, and I think our guest will love the fact that he's essentially being described as an old geezer. <laughs> but he has been in youth ministry longer Actually, than almost anyone I know. And he was wearing slightly skinnier jeans today than I've noticed him wearing before. He was wearing skinny jeans. I think he's doing quite sharp. You think he's, he's lost I a bit think, of... Well, I, I tweeted something recently about swans and about how Maeve Binchy doesn't have ugly ducklings becoming swans. She has confident ducks. And somebody said that... Oh, I can't <laughs> Where are you going with that? No, no, we're not stopping. <laughs> we're not editing. We're, there's no edit here. Where was that going? There was a link to Ali Campbell. Ali Campbell is a confident duck. Is that where that was going? I can't remember what the link was. He is a confident duck. He is a confident duck, but I can't remember why I was going to say that. In my head, it made perfect, like, right. really setting up well, Ali, in my head. But Old I'm... and a confident duck. Oh, what else do you want to say about Ali? The thing is, in the next uh, half an hour, he is going to oh, give dear. as good as he gets. So this is okay. See, here, it's fine. It's we fine. love you, Ali yeah, Campbell. We totally love you. This is what happened when we met Ali Campbell. The Youthscape Podcast. I'm very excited that our uh, our guest today has travelled all the way from the north, from <laughs> Clitheroe, I believe. That is correct. I've been to Clitheroe. No, you haven't. I have. When? I, well, I'll tell you when. Uh, when I was 19, my wife and I, uh, now Are wife. You married? Now Are wife. You a child bride. My uh, girlfriend at the time and I oh. uh, embarked on a, uh, a trip with her father and, and uncle. We were, we were, no, 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 no. It's like the plot of a movie, isn't it? it? Is. An independent movie, let's be honest. Um, and, uh, straight to video. Straight to DVD. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and we did, they did the end to end. Joe's dad. Did the end to end. What's that? Uh, which is Lands End to Johnny Broke's oh, bike. I see, I see. And we went up as the support vehicle. And so uh, it was very expensive because, you know, separate bedrooms. Yeah, absolutely. Any, uh, yeah. any evangelical listeners? Yeah. And uh, we, we went we went the, the length of the, of the country and stopped one night in Clitheroe. It's a very beautiful place. And uh, that is my brilliant introduction. To, that's the first time that I've ever introduced you without making a UB40 reference. It's yeah. Ali Campbell! Yeah! Thanks, Woo! A repeat guest. Of course, always. Can we say a repeat guest? But last time it was over the power of Skype. Whereas we actually have you in the room today, physically. Physically present. Physically present. All the way from Clitheroe. Yeah, Lancashire, mate. Yeah. La la la. Amazing. And 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 how was the journey? Let's just get that. It's a bit rubbish, really, because. 
they closed the M1 as I was getting nearer. Oh. And suddenly what my sat-nav was telling me was just under two hours away, leapt to four and a half hours. Ah. So That's uh, not good, is it? No, it's not I good. then quickly tapped something and it uh, ignored the M1. How, how long did it take you to get from Clitheroe to Luton? I mean, this is the podcast four, of I mean, dreams. Four and a half hours, really. Oh, bless you. But I'm seeing a friend afterwards. Oh. Are we not your friends? I love the way you made a distinction. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm That's not what I mean. Now. That's not what I mean. I'm seeing you now, then I'm seeing somebody that I care so about. So people might be thinking, so why has Ali travelled four and a half hours one way and probably six hours back? Oh, what, don't what, say that what, now. What, what, what's so important? Yeah. Now, the thing is, I, I do love a little bit of social media in my life. And I do love when like something really captures people's imagination and, and, and kind of gets a little bit of trending status. And uh, a little while ago, Ali, you began to kind of put some provocative stuff out there that really got people's goats. And it was around a survey, but it's much bigger than that. You really kind of put your finger on a pulse. So do you want to kind of scroll back a little bit before we talk about the survey and what that's about what what's been brewing for a while for you that 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 tweet and that survey sparked so i guess going back maybe five or six years um working as a youth and children's advisor for a diocese working across sussex um i regularly saw i think youth workers who were salaried or children's workers and often they were in situations where there were little niggly things like expenses not being paid on time or having no budget for any work, uh, being paid not great. Um, while at the time, a number of clergy living in, you know, I don't know, six bedroom mansions with moats and that kind of stuff. <laughs> so you kind of just, yeah. you know, and they get that anyway. Then on top of that, they get what is now the national minimum for a clergy person in the church. Sorry if you're not Church of England. Um, similar perhaps with a manse if you're Baptist or whatever. Traditionally, senior pastor gets a house, get paid not loads of money, but sufficient to live so that they can be in ministry vocationally without needing to worry about money because if you do ministry, as we all know, there's plenty to worry about without to worry about whether you can put food on the table. So what I noticed was a lot of youth workers struggling, um, some quitting uh, because they couldn't continue in ministry and afford it, and a number of things happening around some employment issues where I felt churches were skating on thin ice around constructive dismissal kind of things. Not happy with the style of youth work that was happening because mm. somebody was talking about Jesus mm. um, and they wanted somebody who wouldn't talk about Jesus but still would work for the church. Um, so a few of those where I was just like, what? Mm. Um, so in my kind of capacity as advisor, I could step in a little bit with some churches and challenge practice, but it's widespread. Mm. And I realized there's no bar in the Church of England or across the church for what it looks like to employ somebody mm. and have some kind of, this is the standard, this is mm. the minimum we expect um, on both sides in terms of that kind of contract. So a contract, if you like, of values and what we're looking at doing mm. in terms of Churches developing ministry and being passionate about it long term, not just seeing, let's employ somebody for 18 months as an experiment, mm. and if it doesn't work, we've had a go. That's also somebody's life if they've come and given yeah. that time to your church. So a lot of that happening. Um, then kind of just a few things really ticked me off. Um, so I think some of the larger churches, you know, awash with clergy in houses, you know, so some of the big churches, you can look down their staff list and they've got 17 curates, 
and they all have a house if they're on a stipend and then you've got a youth worker living in a box in, a, in an alley somewhere and that's apparently okay. So that kind of stuff prompted me to put the stuff out just saying to people on a blog what's the deal, what are your circumstances like. That got quite big in June last year, lots of people commenting, send me their personal stories as well. So first of all you um, were just sort of collating a I was a just feel. kind of like what is going on, how do people feel and suddenly it's like there was lots happening around that blog then I spoke to Church Times, did an article yeah. last summer um, and they did a little cartoon with it with yeah. somebody sitting in a box and they were basically like, why don't you get a job? I do have a job, I'm a youth worker, which I thought was a very funny cartoon. Yeah. Um, but it was just echoing that point that we're not valuing mm-hmm. in the same way we do other ministry those who we're mm-hmm. choosing to employ. And so that obviously really kind of reinforce some of these fears and things that you've seen as an advisor over many years. In, in terms of that kind of anecdotal, those initial responses, was there any particular, was it more in rural settings or in more in urban settings? Was it more in particular denominations? And I'm aware that you want to be careful because actually this is widespread and you're not here to kind of just point your fingers at certain denominations. But, but um, did you find there were certain trends and themes? Was it, was it younger youth workers were more likely to suffer from this and older youth workers? Was it... JNC qualified related were there any kind of themes that went with this I mean I don't think from the employer's point of view they know what a JNC is so in terms of churches right across the board employing people if somebody says I've got you know JNC youth work qualification they wouldn't know know Mm. what that is Mm. compared with somebody who's got a diploma in childcare or whatever and I'm not grading them I'm just saying they wouldn't know the difference Mm -hmm. so oh look they've done something to do with children or youth would be what they'd notice Yeah. Um, and then somebody interesting if I get into something somebody said in a survey loads of the jobs advertised are saying lead, develop, create mm-hmm. it's almost like come and change the culture of our church mm-hmm. we'll pay you next to nothing but come and do that that we're ineffective at doing ourselves yeah. and we need a specialist to come and help us so somebody was commenting These are leadership, management, senior roles they're looking for, Mm. but they're not paying for it. Or they say that's what they're looking for, but in reality you get to the church and you realise that you've been offered the world and actually you can only change this one small corner Mm. of it and only if you go through a committee. Well, I think there's a... (laughs) Well, yes. I think there's a lot of things around expectations. So what are the expectations of somebody going into a new role and what are the expectations of the church? And... I mean, as an advisor, I often used to say to people, if you're starting a new job, give it three years. Mm. Because I think to bed in, get to know people, build relationship with young people mm. there already, mm. if they lack confidence about sharing their faith, you've got to get them there. Mm. Not just start, you know, you could start loads of separate activities for whoever you want to reach, but actually to get some momentum mm. and get the church on board, I think it takes three years. Mm. The challenge we've got now is because people are concerned nationally across the board about the growth of the church Mm. and its future Mm. you've got a shorter and shorter time period in which you're supposed to make a difference Mm. otherwise it's not worth doing it Mm. and when we know that youth work is long term that's not a good recipe for us investing in the future Mm. so so sorry you just to get the sort of narrative of what's happened uh, so you initially had this uh, uh, blog that you wrote and you got... Got naffed sort of off on a blog. And, and lots of people uh, uh, responded to that. Yeah. You caused lots of problems. There's a lot of dinner party lists you've been struck off for forever. <laughs> the ones I was... The few remaining ones I was on. Probably, yeah. yeah. 
Um, have you got like a? Are you, you're it's you're my, dangling it's, a belt no, it's here. Coat oh, it's your chair. coat. So Why is it we always have a weird noise From on the Youthscape podcast? It's my clothing as well. Always sorry, your Ellie. clothes. Yeah, there we go. Right, carry on. <laughs> so you annoyed people, uh, but then you thought, "I'm not finished. Not I'm really. going to go much further with this." So, so what? So what's happened? And how have you now got to the point where you mentioned a survey? You've collated a yeah. lot more so information. Off the back of the Church Times article that kind of just highlighted some of the challenges and we have to face up to this yes that was aimed at the church of england particularly because they are the largest employer of salaried workers however it has an, a broader impact than that so um, off the back of that i then did a little bit more exploratory stuff and highlighted that i'd written the article and got in contact with martin snow who's the bishop of leicester mm -hmm. uh, martin snow is leading for the church. I've got to be careful that I don't get his job wrong, but he's kind of leading on lay ministry for the Church of England around the development of that in ministry division. So he was very interested in what I was writing about. What do we need to do? How can we find out the reality on the ground? Mm -hmm. um, a small working group got together with him in his office in Leicester, and then we um, decided the best way is to try and find out what the deal is for people with a survey we put out nationally we asked for more than just Anglicans to respond because this is something that affects all of us but also we can learn from one another across the church and about also because youth workers and children's what. workers don't always stay in one denomination do they well there oh, I mean sorry, there's a whole no, no no you didn't there's a whole other kind of interesting thing if I, I remember getting 15 youth workers together in a room with a bishop when I was in Sussex and um, he started talking about Anglicanism and being Anglican and then we had to pause the conversation for a minute because I just said how many of you would say you're Anglican mm. three out of the 15 <laughs> and, you know, said they would identify, and they're all employed by churches so I think we've got a challenge in the Church of England about anybody who still thinks we're raising little Anglicans mm -hmm. needs to rethink yeah, about what it is we're trying to do we're trying to make disciples of Jesus yeah. grow the church universal in terms of be part of something together not our little niche bit mm. of it, whatever that looks like. So you've got your uh, your results coming in. Yeah. And I think at time of recording, we uh, we're not the survey still open. It is by yeah. the time of broadcast, the survey mm -hmm. won't be open. Okay. Uh, so can you therefore give us some? Can you begin to give us some insights into what people and what you've what you've gleaned from that you've had nearly five hundred as we as we it's as we record actually. as you record it four hundred seventy eight as of Wednesday the 6th of February. Um, so it's running till the 28th of February. Uh, it's no point saying to you, if you listen to this, please, because this isn't going out. Some of our listeners might have time machines. You don't they know. may, that's, that's possible. Um, a couple of uh, tidbits. So um, we asked... Oh, did you laugh at the fact that you said tidbits? Yeah, I did. Oh, we, uh, well, leave that, that, right. that passed me by. Why? Sorry, I, that that sorry. I did. I yeah. love it. Anyway, do you mean these are the car yeah. for It's not like people say doo doo. And you, you <laughs> yeah. just can't, you know. Yeah. I never know if it's tidbits or tidbits. Tidbits? I think it might be tidbits. Or tit for tat is the other one that's No, funny. it's never but been. Anyway, tidbits. let's get anyway, back to right. the survey. So, anyway, so 478 so far. Um, I, did, I asked, what's your salary? As a kind of question. And just this is the broad range. So, this is full time. Mm. We got full timer. The lowest was twelve thousand uh, pounds. Full time, oh full time, and no, no now, housing well, with that. Now, what what we haven't done is cross referenced everything. Okay. I would say a very small minority 
say they get additional benefits to okay. their basic salary. So if that isn't one of them, gosh, then that is under the national mm. minimum wage, yeah. not anything else. Yeah. So anyway, that's that one. And um, the highest is 45,000. I'll do it. So I'm trying to think who at a local church is being paid 45,000 pounds. I'd like to know. Um, I may not because that's not how we're looking at the data. And and certainly, it, it non, I mean, we're not publishing what people are yeah, paid, not, just the, so you know that. The individual stuff is, is no, no, going no. to be held. So somebody is paid £45,000 to be a full-time youth worker, are they? But I think the interesting dynamic between those things is massive difference. Mm. Yeah. Um, mm. So there is no kind of standard, mm. and nobody's looking around for something that... I mean, the church hasn't produced anything. I think that's what frustrates me. Um, no, so, for example, in the Church of England, the church warden mm. has to rock up once a year and shake the hand of the archdeacon mm -hmm. and the Darson registrar is there to make sure it's all done legally because he's got responsibilities for the church mm. and for the way that church is being led. Mm. That's part of the role of being church warden. And they're volunteers. Mm. But we're not giving that same kind of support or you know, legal standing or enabling that kind of work that our salaried workers are employees of our local churches. And you're really championing that. And that's what's really exciting about this is that actually not only are you creating a survey, but actually, Ali, you're one of the best place, place people to begin to shape what happens next. Can we, can we go a bit granular now on to why, why is it that across denominations it's a similar picture? Do you, is your hunch that there's some kind of ignorance, naivety, actually when people are made aware of this people will quickly networks and donations say oh actually this is not okay or do you feel actually there's some kind of deeply entrenched reasons against it so for example i'm sorry listeners we're going to go c of e but for the c of e the clergy get a house because it's deemed common public space um and so that the house is used for lots of things um there are some churches i know some churches that have tried to get housing for their youth and children's workers and, and the tax man has sort of said, well, the, the youth worker does their youth work and it, they have meetings there. And, but it's been such a complicated system that actually it's, they've given up part way through. So is there some kind of reason which isn't anything to do with theology or intent? It's just HMRC. It's just the tax man. It's just insurance. Or do you feel actually kind of there's been a collusion of, well, it's easier not to change things. You know, youth workers don't stick around very long. So why do we have to house them? I mean, what, do you have a hunch? I think, I think some of it is the will to change. So at Darsterson National Church level, I think it is a choice. So I've heard some dioceses put out the HMRC thing, oh, we can't provide housing because. The reality is though, if according to HMRC, you're a minister of religion, then there are things that you can have. So what is stopping the Church of England recognizing youth workers and children's workers mm -hmm. as ministers of religion? I'm not saying they all need to be ordained. I'm not mm. saying they all need to be um, licensed as lay workers, but can we not recognise them as ministers of religion? Mm. And then you write that on your, Excellent. you know. And if you, rather than employ a youth worker, I would say to churches, if you want somebody to do ministry, employ a youth minister. Mm. Because to HMRC, the title says something about the job. Mm. So if you're just, just a youth worker, well, there are community youth workers yep. that aren't working in a dedicated parish for a particular community. Um, there's professional boundaries that are different because mm -hmm. they don't know the mm -hmm. families necessarily, the young people they're working with, where in a church community you might. There's a need perhaps to be in the parish that isn't the same with other types of work. Um, so I think there's lots of things that the church has just not explored and then the back back has gone, has been, um, 
you know, it's the diocese to deal with from the national church. Mm. And then from the diocese, it's like, well, local parish is employed, so it's not really got anything to do with us. So everybody can just say someone else's thing. What's really good is Martin Snow is really paying attention and wanting to look at what is it we can do, but also what is it we should be doing that we're not doing, and how mm. can we move things towards a place where we value this work. So just a couple of years ago, um, the evangelistic task group of the Church of England put a paper forward saying we need to recognise these roles as specialisms in their own right, not as stepping stones to further ministry. Yeah. And that's great. I love seeing that written down. Yes. Because that's a bit different from what lots of us have been saying orally. Yes. So it's on a bit of paper now. Yeah. But what I'd love to see is some action that turns that into reality. Yes. And that's, yeah. not hap- that's not happened yet. So the ha- housing issue has come up in this survey. The salary um, has come up. And it's very, like some of your stories have just not been paid expenses. I mean, just horrendous stuff like that. What else has come out? Has, I mean, we, we kind of talk on this podcast a fair bit about just the lack of line management and care of the youth minister and children's worker. And So, so what are the other things that, that have been real kind of themes that have cut across that seem to you a bit age-old, but actually now is the time to do something about it? Um, okay, I'm going to tell you something about line management supervision. So this is from those that filled it in. Yep. So we asked them about that. Um, so as of today, according to the salary workers, just 24% of the line managers have had training for what? that role. In line management? Yeah. Wow. 18% of vicars, just 5% of PCCs. Now the thing is, the PCC mm-hmm. is effectively the employer. The employer yeah. mm. So that 95% of your PCCs, you've got people who haven't got a clue really about how to manage somebody that they've employed. I don't know another organisation that can get away with that. I, I found it very interesting just uh, being slightly able to observe some ministerial training over the last, and I mean vicar training over the last few years, how little input vicars get in their three years of input. I'm sure they get lots of training on, on certain things which you might consider quite spurious in, in comparison. Uh, but they might only get a day or half a day in the whole of that time on youth ministry and children's ministry and how to line manage a youth minister particularly. So it, it's something actually that, that is in right in the formation of our church leaders. There's nothing there that helps them to ever get a frame of reference for that. It's very little. I mean, what's interesting though is if you want a training post, so you want to get a curate, Again, sorry listeners, Church of England, but if you want to get a curate and you're an incumbent and you've not had a training post before, you have to do training as an incumbent in order to then take on a curate. Take on a curate who will be in a training post where the expectation is you will equip them for ministry. And that's almost certainly true in other denominations. So you have to do training if you're going to have one. So you've got a. But you don't have to. Yeah, if you employ just, just a children's or youth worker or a family's worker. So people have got involved in this survey who are not C of E or not currently working in C of E. And has, have there been similar trends in other networks? Or do you think actually on the whole, everyone else bar the C of E does a little bit better on this? No, I think we're probably all pretty rubbish. <laughs> so 60% who filled it in are Anglican, 40% for everybody else. But that's, you know, Baptists, Methodists... Mm. Uh, Church of England, no, mm. they are Anglican. They're Anglican. You can't, you well, can't no, score okay. them twice. <laughs> no, 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 can't score them twice. No, perish the thought. Um, but we've got Baptist, Catholic, Methodist, Protestant. So the institutions in are, are just clunky and 
not fit for purpose at the moment is what you're discovering. I mean, some of those denominations are particularly struggling. So, mm. you know, nationally they may have very few mm. salaried mm. workers at mm. their churches. Um, but in terms of kind of having, if there was any kind of cross-party stuff where we could leave behind agendas about, you know, whose church is doing the best and whose church mm. isn't, not that those mm. conversations mm. ever happen. No, no, no. no. But if we could leave some of that agenda stuff aside Excellent. and get around something that matters, like mm. how do we help people that we're employing flourish in ministry? Yeah. So if we want to see a generation of young people investing properly, um, if we're serious about the challenges that we face as a church, mm. so I just put up something the other day about the difference in terms of Sunday attendance. Mm. And there's loads of people saying, yeah, but Sunday attendance, that's not where people are happening. That's mm, not what's going mm, on. Mm. And I'm like, I know. But if we're training our clergy and our senior leaders to still focus on Sundays, mm. and increasingly you have no children or young people present, what church are you leading? Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's not the church, exactly. it's something else. So, yeah. you know, just in the last five years, the Church of England has lost nearly 20% of its kids on a Sunday mm. morning in five years. It's heartbreaking. Wow. It's heartbreaking. It took 25 years to lose 45%. Mm. So how have we so lost nearly 20 in five? Some would say because we're doing a lot more midweek. Mm. But what we're creating is a church for those we've never met before that looks a bit messy, messy church for example, yes. whatever, generally aimed at children mm. with very few young people involved. And that is what we're then saying is what we're going to do, do instead. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Meanwhile, yeah. much youth work yeah. is just not happening. Mm. I mean, the Diocese of London acknowledged that with thinking they only had a thousand mm. in the whole of London yeah. from the, from five hundred churches who are aged between fourteen and nineteen. Wow. Can I can I ask you about? They're all at twelve churches, by the way. That thousand, pretty much. It's heartbreaking, isn't it? Can I ask you about? So pulling back from this specific bit of research now. Because one thing that probably lots of us listening to this share is however we do youth work, we come up against an institution. So whatever denomination or whatever, whether we've got the freest church in the world and it's just one in its own just been planted and there's no other with it, there's an institution that employs you or you are working for. And, and let's say you see something that you think that has got to change, like that culture has got to change, there's got to be some systemic shifts happening. How do you do that? How do you institute change like, do you stand on the outside of, of the institution and just point fingers and holler and shout until someone in there changes it or do you stand with your back to the institution and say I'm, I'm on the inside but rather than looking in I'm going to look out and I'm going to be an agent of change but to do that I've got to be seen as a friend of the institution a critical friend going to hold me I mean how how do you how do you see change happening I don't know if I'm honest I mean I think I'm in a privileged you know space in some ways because I work for myself so in that sense um, freer. Yeah. <laughs> I can say what I like it does mean I won't get paid by anybody ever again <laughs> but I can do stuff where I can say things and I don't have to then go and apologize to my boss do you ever feel like the Old Testament prophet Ali do you ever feel like you're sort of there lying in the sand shouting and pointing curses at cities and and everyone, you know, walking past, calling you a crazy I'm, I'm guy. I'm watching his face. I don't think that's... that's I feel like that. No, I don't really. I think if... The challenge I've always... I guess the thing I've always done is ask questions. And I think sometimes those questions are, you know, inane, silly things that occur to me that nobody else thinks about and probably shouldn't. But other times I think they're things we're just not addressing. Yeah. 
and so we don't talk about them because yeah. it's easier to not talk about it. And there's sometimes political reasons why people feel uncomfortable to say certain things. And you've never really been bound by those rules. Not hugely, no. I mean, I think if you... I mean, I've been doing youth ministry and children's ministry for 30 plus years. God bless you. I'm a volunteer doing youth work on a Sunday night and involved in a kids club on a Tuesday evening. So in terms of what I see, much of what I see continues to be repeated uh, Mm -hmm. in terms of great practice, good people doing stuff, not always with the support and encouragement they need from senior staff. So just little things that can be changes. There's lots of youth workers I know who are employed as staff, but not seen as leadership team Mm -hmm. in churches. Mm So that's just a tweak. Think about who is leading your church. They're leading the young people. Where's the voice of participation and engagement from young people directly if it doesn't come through the youth worker? Mm. And if they're not in the leadership team, how are they being represented when the church is making mm. decisions about the direction mm. of the future? Good. Because they're just staff. So they do the jobs with children and young people. To clergy and senior leaders, I'd say, when was the last time you visited the youth work or children's mm. work? When was the last time you volunteered for an evening and hung out with children and young people and realised they're part of your parish? If you're in the Church of England, you've got the cure of souls as a priest, which is basically everybody in your parish is your responsibility. There is no age on that. So you just work with old ladies, have a think about who you're cure of souls for. In terms the youth of worker might be like, I don't really want to come to the youth <laughs> No, but that's where I think there has to yeah, be some yeah, meeting absolutely. of our yeah. senior staff and leaders halfway. Mm. You may not want them, but actually, from a young person's point of view, mm. it says to them, the wider church values me. Mm-hmm. And from a leadership point of view, leading The leaders up. of yeah. the church value yeah. me. Yeah. The, one of the things, I, I was just talking to a youth worker yesterday who rang me up to say, um, you know, it was one of those classic horror stories. Uh, you know, my, my church leaders decided they want to go a different way. I'm being made redundant. Um, and it, it feels like when you're a youth worker and that happens, you've just got nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what do you do in a situation, apart from call Ali Campbell, uh, <laughs> you know, and ask him to write a blog? I could uh, write a blog about it. How, yeah. how do you, what do you do in a situation where there's been, like, just terrible employment yeah. and something's gone really badly wrong? Where, where do you go with that? So there are, there are things I think we should start seriously looking at putting in place. So, and it may need a diocese to pilot it, but things, so if you think of some dioceses nationally have had real issues with historic child abuse, Mm. and they've had to deal with that, they've had to employ people to deal with it effectively because in the past they have not, and they're alongside that they've tried to improve current practice that puts them in a really good position nationally to lead on it Mm. actually Mm -hmm. in terms of some of our dioceses now. Um, They're the first port of call if another diocese has an issue, because they know such and such diocese have got their act together, because they yes. had to deal with it. Yeah. But you've got whistleblowing for those kind of issues around safeguarding. If it's not being dealt with properly, then here's who to call. And I think for people who are being employed by our local churches, whatever denomination you're in, there is a stream that you're affiliated mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. unless you're some kind of fringe, interesting mm-hmm. thing, doing your own stuff. But generally speaking, whether it's Elim or whether it's Baptist or whether it's Anglican or Catholic, we've got streams we're part of where there is a structure in place. Yeah. And those structures need to take more accountability mm. for what they're allowing to happen on their watch where people are just not being treated well. Yeah. Who we're saying, administer the gospel with us, but actually we're going to treat you badly. Mm. And, and, and there's some responsibility as well to be borne by the 
the youth worker in that situation as yeah. well. Yeah, I think not, so. Not, you know, not just for their own sake, but for the sake of the others who will mm, walk that same yes. work yeah. path in the future. You may That's think, I've heard youth workers say, I've been really badly treated by my church, but I'm just going to get out of here because ultimately I don't want to damage the church, I don't want to hurt the church. Mm. But in the long term, you're not hurting the church, you're actually making it healthier. No, and there's often, I mean, in terms of one of the things that makes things healthier is having honest conversations about them. And that isn't throwing things around and, you know, being really cross with people. It is just being honest. So I've heard youth workers say to me, I've been told not to talk to anybody about it. Mm. The church is going through this process yeah. of restructuring. Yeah. It's manipulative, isn't And it? I've been told I cannot yeah. speak to anybody, yeah. including my partner. Oh, gosh. Yeah, so you're like, well, that's, that's rubbish. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. probably illegal. And yes, illegal. Well, you, you yeah. can't. You, if, if there's any meetings during that process, you can have a representative with you, yeah. which can be a friend, it can be a colleague, mm. somebody else in the room. You can make notes. Yeah. You can write those notes up. You can send them to your PCC and say, these are my this is my record of our meeting. This mm. is what I mm. think you mm. said and what I think we've agreed. Because often churches aren't doing that as part mm. of that process. Mm. I wonder whether your future is going to be leaning more and more on this, Ali. I, yeah. I, just, I yeah. just wonder whether there's a bit Bishop more in Ali. you. After, well, I wouldn't go that far. But, uh, but uh, I think uh, you know, there's, 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 yeah, there's a lot more to come here. How will people get the... Um, well, actually, before you ask that one, holding I, I'm holding your hands. Why are you holding so my hands? Hold back. Before, I think people are going to be listening to this saying, oh, I wish I'd known about the survey. I would have added my voice to yes. this. So I wonder if people, some people might want to, as a result of this, somehow align themselves with you and kind of say, I agree. Is, is there an opportunity, even before the results come out, is there an opportunity for people to be able to just say, Ali... If, if you're collating numbers, names, yes, I'm in. Is yeah. that going to be made possible? I think people? so. So the survey finishes 28th of February, which you're going to be hearing this afterwards. Yeah. But when is this like to go out? That's March, March I would think. Happy March. March. Happy March, March. Happy March, March everyone. everyone. So during March, um, there's still going to be work being done. I will be pulling out the data and talking about that with other people from what we've discovered. Um, but I will also be preparing to have a couple of meetings in April that hopefully will then make recommendations. Don't feel if you've missed the survey, you can't send me something as an email um, or DM me if you're on Twitter or Facebook or whatever and just say, here's my story yeah, or this is some of the stuff yeah. that I think you know, I want to share from my own experience, I missed the survey. And, and if there's things that you think you wish you'd said on the survey that you didn't say on the survey, then send those. They're, every contribution is anonymous. The only thing we put at the end of the survey is if you want a summary of the summary of the report, then we'll make that available to you. Probably at some point in the future, that'll be available to everybody anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But just if you particularly want that when you filled in the report, yeah. there'll be a sorry filled in the survey there'll be a thing at the end yeah. just mm. saying, and just just really conscious that some people listening might actually have some really painful things they're going through right now so flagging stuff up to you Ali is one really helpful way to collate to help share this wider narrative but we want to encourage people to also seek out somebody locally to support you in this as well because Ali is collating stories he actually is not physically able to kind of offer pastoral support to people who email in this stuff um, you'll do as much as you can be praying for people but actually I want to really encourage listeners if this is really pressing and heartbreaking and difficult for you right now know that actually before God it's really important that you do reach out and get people to listen and to hear you and to hold on to you and by doing that that's a really good thing that you're doing not just for you but for other people who might be being employed 
in the future as well. So just no total freedom in that. That's really important. I would just add one thing for anybody who might be struggling or facing redundancy or just wondering what on earth is going on in terms of their relationship with staff at church, things that are being said to them by people in leadership. Just this little thing really helped me when I went through redundancy myself, which is um, God anoints for the stuff that he calls us to. Human beings appoint. And sometimes in their appointing and then their decision-making afterwards, human beings make mistakes. It doesn't nullify your calling because a church decides that you need to be, you know, your post is no longer required. Mm. And sometimes we personalise that yes. and think, I'm no longer required. Mm. And that's complete nonsense. So if you're hearing that from people, or that's what you're feeling, it's not true. You are loved, you're precious, you've got mm. stuff to offer the kingdom. Don't give up. Find people around you who will pray yes. with you, support you, yes. and encourage you right where you are, and encourage you in the gifts that you have, that you are bringing. And sometimes in the process of what, what I've heard amazing stories from people that are going through the process of redundancy, but wanting to leave really well with the young people. And that's an inspiration to me that they're not letting that stuff mm. so impact them that they're not still wanting to bless mm. the young people. So that's oh, so, so I champion you. If that's you, yes. you're amazing. You are. You Thank are. you, Ali. And if so people want to um, uh, connect with you, the, the easiest first port of call is your website. Yeah, it can. And what is that? theresource.org.uk If they just typed in Ali Campbell They'll get a lot of shots of UV40 They would get a shot of me or rather Ali Campbell on a balcony with a beer in his hand with a huge belly That's like the first shot of Ali Campbell It's not me No it's not you I think you're allowed to. I'm heading that way. Oh, yes, not me. Um, So theresource.org.uk. People can email me. The email's at the top of that website as well. Great. So uh, we just need to do some shout outs. You can't find a toilet if you come here because they don't have anything (laughs) on the door. We need to do some shout outs at the end of this. Uh, Martha Stringer. We think you're wonderful. Mark Tizard. Yeah. And Tomas. And and the Hungarians. and, And Aaron and Flora. And Are they just making these names No, no, up? they're real Hungarians. Brilliant. Hello. We love you. And Evelyn and the other one. I can't remember your name, you but you... Leela, Leela! Oh, That's yes! That's your name. We love you, and we just love it that we get to do youth ministry alongside you. You're a, awesome. A special shout-out for the people of Clitheroe. Yes. Never... Rachel Gardner, never text that word from your phone. I imagine autocorrect would have a field day. <laughs> right, that's it for another Youthscape podcast. We'll see you next time. <laughs>